Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Duane. We've got a special guest, and we're live, uh, Mike Barakaria. Mike Barakaro. Oh my goodness! From University of Delaware Women's Soccer. We are stumbling time. all over the place. Today. I got it the second time. We are stumbling all over the place. H- heck of a first live show. Uh, Mike, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. Uh, by the way, this is like it's a whole different experience listening to you through headphones, not like on my computer. It's a whole different experience seeing your handsome faces in front of me. So. <laughs> yeah, we are live on the field. This is what the third attempt. Third attempt, other than Kansas City, that we're live. Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we've attempted to do we've attempted to do a, a recording right where we are. Actually, doing can you swing that door down? That's right behind you. Maybe we can hear that less of that clicking sound that's go, that's going on there. Just bring that down. Yeah, we're just we're just out here live. Um, oh my goodness, we got phones all over the place. This is a mess. Of coaching once this, a uh, segment in the, on the podcast. This is a mess. Um, so we've attempted this over the summer. Yes. Uh, during a summer camp. And it was definitely an interesting experience. And now we're out here, which, I, I mean, if it wasn't that the fields are soaked, we would put this out in the sun. Because I feel like, Mike, yeah, you look a little cold. I'm, I'm, I'm always cold. If it's not 80 degrees, I'm cold. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little windy. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we're at Middletown Village. We are recording while uh, Adrian, who might, might hop in here in a minute, is uh, painting the field with a robot. Uh, so he's painting our fields right now. So Adrian's just, just doing a really good job of doing this. Represented here with uh two of the four delaware schools colleges that's here right today yeah so we've got university of delaware and we've got wilmington that's right that's awesome which we've got Wil- half of the schools in the state which wilmington wilmington men's team is playing the the ud men's team right tomorrow uh, yeah tomorrow yeah tomorrow. that's right yeah. one o'clock kickoff there you go 2006 boys will be there oh yeah there that's right yeah, yeah yeah all right so mike before we before we we uh, dive deep into why you're here because we just haven't seen you. I feel like in all of 2022, and I feel like it, I wanted to say Happy New Year, but I'm like we're a fourth of the way, we're a third of the way done. We are, or, or a fourth of the way done with the year. So. <laughs> Happy spring break. <laughs> <laughs> we're about to kick off the fall season, yeah. pretty much, right? <laughs> um, so, Dwayne, let's talk about rec, the rec program. It started. Yeah, rec started last Saturday. Um, great turnout, great facilities at Odessa. Got a lot of great feedback on the Bermuda fields. Um, so we have 500 kids currently in our recreational side of the program, and we have another probably 200 kids on the discovery side of the program. So both both of those programs kicked off this week. Um, it's great to see the kids back playing. It's great to be at Odessa, um, you know, working out the growing pains from moving from Silver Lake. But I think it's going to be a great it's going to be a great move when it comes down to it. Yeah, it was fun. I was there the entire time. Uh, my kids were were upset that thursday night was canceled for the discovery program for the obvious thursday reasons curse yeah exactly it continues for two years in a row every thursday has gotten canceled the yeah. first week of the discovery program um <laughs> it, it's happened for whatever reason every thursday gotta, every pick, another first, night, gotta pick another night every first thursday it rains uh so my kids were were bummed out uh, especially because ethan was his, he was going to be his first uh first go at discovery <laughs> he was pumped um but no it was great the discovery program um you know, Dwayne and I got to do a Facebook Live uh, of of the facilities, and it was, it was fantastic. We had a really good time. Yeah. Um, it was an enjoyable experience. Uh, people seemed happy. Shout out to the Discovery coaches. Yes. Because um, I couldn't do it. No. No, uh, neither I could I. I. Do it. No. Neither could I. Me neither. You don't want, you don't want to coach three and six-year-olds, Mike? I did that for a long time, and I'm... I've moved on. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done it. And I've it's a different kind of excitement that you have it to is. have. Uh, luckily, Kyle has that kind of excitement. Yes. So good for Kyle. Good for all the discovery coaches. Yes. Good for the 
players we had from Wilmington University. Yeah, we had uh, a bunch of Wilmington University players there. We um, had uh, we had some of our players from our teams. Uh, we had some Odessa girls there on Tuesday. We had some Delaware Union alumni there. Yeah, we did have some Delaware Union. That's right. Out here. We are. Yeah, it's been great. And then and then we continue to just you know have our practices this week. Um, and then our league game started. And then we have more league games this weekend. And then, you know, tryouts tournament. start next week. Tryouts start for the boys cool. next week. Yeah. We've got so. a lot going on. So, Sebastian, let's recap your league, league games because um, Saturday, you and the 2000. Well, it's Sunday. Sun, no, Saturday. 2010. Oh, girls, that's right. Yeah. I played, I played at the Eagle Stadium. And the 2010 yes. boys got to play the at link? the Link. I, I played at the Link. Or wow. my team played at the Link. I didn't play. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so tell us about that experience. It was interesting. So, this company called Playbook. Rented out the link for the entire day yeah. and reached out to different organizations. Um, and the way they do it is the team gets in for free. Yeah. The parents have to pay. Okay. Which makes sense. Um, so ultimately, if you just load up a bus and just bring a coach, you just get in for free to play and that's it. But that's, awesome. bus. that's not what we did. <laughs> <laughs> All the parents brought their kids. Uh, I brought the ref, which is nice. Because my dad, that was the one thing my dad wanted to tag along to. So he was he like, gets in for free and refs the game. <laughs> yeah, he didn't yeah. get paid to ref the game. He didn't get paid to ref okay. the game, but he got to he got he gets to say he got to ref in a you know what sixty thousand awesome. future stadium. World Cup stadium. That's yeah, there awesome. you go. So he got to ref in in the World Cup. We'll just call it that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he'll put that in his referee resume. Why not? Ref in a World Cup venue. Uh, yeah, there you go. Multiple uh, countries. So no, we got to play a team from New Jersey that was a year older than us. Uh, the weird part was that we played on futsal sized goals. Oh, interesting. So you know our goalkeepers looked the goalkeepers looked really really uh, competent because <laughs> the fields the goals were really tiny. That's amazing. That's my kind of goal. Yeah. That. If I'm playing in goal, I want that goal. That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Your forwards my, weren't too happy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, so uh, so it was interesting. We played on half the field, half the football field. Um, I never really, I mean, obviously, you know, coaching high school soccer in a stadium, I, I know what the size of a football field is, but I think when you look at it inside of a stadium, like that big, the football field is not very big. Oh, I bet. No, I bet, I bet it looks small when it's, it's surrounded by those stands, I'm sure. Yeah. It's, that, it just, it's those big white lines they have on the sideline that are like 20 yards wide. <laughs> yeah, but just like, it just in general, like, I, yeah, so it, it just looked very small. This is why soccer is still the best sport in the world. No doubt. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're just playing on a really tiny field. Yeah, with pads and stuff like that. Come on. Yeah, just... 53 guys on the sideline. Exactly Plus right. Like 25 staff. Yeah. Yeah, you're in and out every 30 seconds. Come on. Yeah. Just... yeah. Didn't they say that like if you take all the breaks out of a football game and you only went snap to snap, it would be like a 14 minute game. Probably. Like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, you gotta call. Somebody's gotta call the plays for you. you gotta jog off. You gotta switch the players. Like that's the clock still runs while the referee moves up and down the yeah. field, right, with the ball. Yep. Yeah, it's called. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Could you imagine that with soccer referees? Yeah, they had to move the ball up and down. They had to move the ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got. I I almost got into an argument with a coach the other day about ball boys oh, or ball kids not having ball runners. Yeah. He got really mad at me. I got. <laughs> he argument. was not happy with me. I, I got, told him to report me. I got in an argument with, with the referee about a kid being onside on my own half of the field. Go back and look at the video. You know, challenge the play. Go back and look at the video analysis. Were you he right? Was onside. Oh, by you? a foot. Yeah, well, more credit than I even gave the kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. We we are not arguing about referees. No, we don't argue about referees. No. I mean, it didn't make or break the game. No. But had it been, I would have sent the video to his assigner. He'd been like, hey, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then that assigner would have just hit delete. Because <laughs> I would. That's what I would do. 
Um, so yeah, so I got to play inside the link, and it was it was a good time. It was good, fun. good experience for our kids. Good experience. Yeah, the 2010 boys also got to be there, so they they won their game. So sorry good. for any kids that aren't Eagles fans, man. It sucks to listen. I I I get it. Like I. So, you know, one of the parents I was there was really emotional. Um, so, I, I mean, I I don't get the link thing, but I understand the soccer stadium, like the stadium perspective. Like, if my team ever got to play in the Boca Junior Stadium, I'd probably cry. Yeah. I mean, I've cried when I've gone in the Boca Junior Stadium before. So, like, I'd, I could see but, it. I mean, it's a different experience because, I mean, with, with as many soccer-specific stadiums popping up in America, even if your kid does go professional, what are the odds of them playing in a stadium that big? You know, in America. I mean, the upside is is that, like, you know... Unless you go to a lot of, Charlotte FC. Well, I mean, a lot of Delaware Union kids have played on the Philadelphia Union Stadium before at halftime and stuff like that. So, does that count? I haven't had that experience, so no, it doesn't count. No, it doesn't. <laughs> none, of team, none of my teams have had that experience, so it doesn't count. <laughs> um, Thanks right. for the invite. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll be on the team bench tomorrow for, at 3.30 for the picture, so... Yeah, all right. I guess that counts. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, all right, so Mike is here. Uh, Mike, talk to us about how your spring so far is going. It's been a really good spring. It's nice to – I feel like we are f- we finally kind of transitioned out of the meat of the COVID stuff, I guess, right? So um, we've been able to train every day. We've had small numbers, and that, that can make things a little bit monotonous at times. But, um, you know, we graduated a, a, a big class this year, and then we had some injuries from the fall. So, so we've definitely struggled with numbers. But we have male practice players come out and train, so practices have been great. Um, I wish we could play more full-sided uh, full-sided games to um, to be able to test some of the things that we're, we're doing in, in practice. But I think this group was in a place where before we could dive deep into tactical stuff, we needed to really sort out how we want to do things, how we want to train, what we want our identity, identity to be in training. And from that perspective, when you have small numbers, you get lots of repetitions. So I think we've um, we've addressed that concern. And that was my main concern, honestly, moving away from a fall where we had a really young team I really wanted to make sure that we addressed um, how we were doing things in training and not necessarily what we were doing. Um, we just got to get used to doing whatever it is really, really well. And uh, and I do think that we've addressed that this spring. Um, the team looks really good right now. I would say this is the best training that I've ever seen the group have. I think we're training at a higher level with more intensity, more consistently than we ever have over my time at Delaware. So I'm really proud of that. You know, I am excited for the foundation that it's setting for for the future, and I think once we get into preseason, um, you know, those the way that we train will be a habit. So then we can do as much of a deep dive as we can do into our tactical stuff at the beginning of preseason and kind of hit the ground running. Hopefully, so that's awesome. Um, I know Dwayne was really excited about the fact that you had men's players out there because he said he's trying to go back to school. Yeah, come on, man. I was, talking to Nick, I was talking to Nick about it, right? So I am a student at Wilmington, and he was asking me how many years did I play. I said four. Oh, you so got I a year? I'm, I might have a year left. <laughs> do you, Do you though, Has it? doesn't it lapse within like an eight-year period or something like that, or no? You can't just pick up whenever you, you want. Have, you have, you have. well, Division One. you have uh, five years to play four. Okay. That's the way that it works. All right. I think Division so. Two, Division Three is a little bit lapsed. Lap, it might be, might be. If it's NAI, it might be the Wild West. You're <laughs> 33, you're back in. You yeah, I, finished in I finished in 2016, so I mean, it's only been six years. I got two years to get back in the shape. It's eight years. Listen, I've seen like I'm I'm watching Adrian, and 
you got you need two years to get back into that kind of shape. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going out there and saying I'm playing 90 minutes or even 20 minutes. I need to get back into shape first. Absolutely. The other day you texted me and you told me you were cramping up just because the weather changed in the rain. Yeah, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. You're starting to feel the rain come into your bones. Yeah. Adrian walks faster than I run. <laughs> I just need to get back in that I training think that robot might move faster than I run. Get back in that training environment. I'll be good to go. My excuse is the fact that I had ankle surgery you know eight weeks ago so i that's that's my excuse so i i, I like that excuse <laughs> i can't do it because i have i had ankle surgery i've never been the person to just go out and go run for fun i have to go out and play soccer and get into shape yeah that's 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 always been the thing okay. no, i'm not going out and saying oh i gotta get into shape two miles not but go play and i'll get myself into shape gotcha clearly we all picked the wrong game <laughs> <laughs> We should have chosen golf. Yeah, we should have been where Chad is. Isn't that isn't Chad at the Masters? Chad's at the Masters, man. Spent spent a good amount of money to go down there. So that's a we should have interviewed him and see what he's doing. He he refuses to be interviewed on the podcast. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll interview his son. We'll interview Matt. Yeah, Matt on the podcast before him. Yeah. Um. So let's. well, Mike's here. Yeah, US so is in the US well, is in the before World we Cup. get there, before we get there, before we because I had an, I had another question. I had another question because I know uh, Mike posted the other day that he went out recruiting. Mm-hmm. Is this the best time of the year to recruit? Uh, no. <laughs> it's cold. It's too cold. So too it's cold. Too cold. It's not so 80 cold. degrees, man. Uh, so you need cold. to be June. Um, June is that Disney showcase in December where it's nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I. The thing I think the thing that we struggle with at the beginning of the spring is um, a lot of the a lot of the regional club teams are coming off of high school soccer, which is tough. So they haven't had a ton of time to train, and even if they are training, they're training over the months of December and January, so they're doing a lot of indoor stuff. So a lot of those teams aren't really hitting their stride till you get towards like Memorial Day. Um, so you know, I would say historically over the course of my career, uh, the PDA showcase over Memorial Day has always been really good, and the uh, and then obviously when you go you start going to nationals in June at the end of June, that's that's always really good because the kids are flying by that point. But in the beginning of the spring, they're they're trying to find their fitness, they're trying to find their um, you know just getting their repetitions back with their club teams again. So this is this is a tough time of year. Um, and then obviously the weather too, right? Like you go out and, and you almost feel bad that you're evaluating these kids because it's 18 degrees out and it's snowing and your toes are frozen. So you can only imagine how they feel. Uh, we were um, at a showcase like that a few weeks ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, so yeah. it's, it's tough for the kids. It is. Yeah. We went up to the Penn Fusion showcase. I think, yeah. I think, I think Taylor said, you said we were there. Yeah. yeah you our, guys were, our entire staff was there. Yeah. Your entire staff was there and we, we were, were there. The, we were there Saturday night. They were at the proving grounds in that nice warm. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, you guys are upstairs. <laughs> yeah. You guys are upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no I got you. Yeah. yeah, we were we were out there. It's 14 degrees. It was it was not fun. No, that's tough for the kids. It is. It's hard for them. It's tough for the coaches, man. It is. Like, so what happens? So like, say a player reaches out, you go to watch them, mm-hmm. and you, you have weather like that. What happens next? Do you you take that into consideration? I, to a degree. I mean, I think regardless of the weather, you can kind of get an idea of what the kid's all about just from a, a habit standpoint, right? Like you could see, like, are they working hard? You know, and is maybe if there is a drop off or if there are mistakes that are happening, are they happening because it's weather related, right? Um, Mike's looking for the 14 degree kid in shorts and a t-shirt just ready to go leggings (laughs) leggings is unrecruitable (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Mike, Mike's looking for the kid that's like dumping ice water on themselves at 14 degrees. Hey, they're that's... ready for they're ready for the quarterfinals and the semifinals of the conference championship. That's the kind of players you need. <laughs> yeah, that's right, right? Yeah. We don't yeah. play when it's warm. Yeah, there's players that are ready to play in cold weather. Adversity. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, so are you at, the, at this stage? Are you still actively recruiting? Like basically just a large group of players or are you in the stage like this time of the year are you in the stage where you're specifically going to watch specific players or specific positions or things like that that's a great question i mean we're recruiting two classes simultaneously right now because of that the covid break that we had we kind of now have gotten into this rhythm of uh right now we're recruiting 23s um and 24s so looking at the 24s we're just trying to build a database of 24s really and and we'll start to probably pare that down uh over the next couple months um but then we're already like obviously very pared down for the 23s. It's going to be a small class for us, so we've identified a small group of players, and um, and we're pretty we're pretty deep in that process right now for the 23s. So um, yeah, so I, I guess it just depends on their graduation year. Yeah. Um, but for for 23, we're a, little, a bit more pared down than we are for 24. 24, the pool is a little bit bigger right now of who we're just trying to gather evaluations on. Yeah, I think I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but so. Let's just say you go out, so you're going out to PDA over mm-hmm. Memorial Day, right? And you're watching a game, and you're there to watch one player that came out and watched, mm-hmm. and, and that reached out to you since then there. And then, like, four other players on that team just in general, or or on the other team are like, oh, my God, like, oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there a chance that those players get reached out to by you, or do you just say, well, they didn't reach out to me, so just kind of focus on that. So I would, do, I would say the majority <laughs> of the players that we recruit are actually kids that we identify, not, not kids that identify us. Okay. Um, so most of the time we are going out watching teams um, and then we'll identify kids and we'll reach out to their coaches and reach out to them, obviously, if we're allowed to by NCAA rules because right. we, we, we do have an environment of compliance at the University of Delaware. Of so. course. We we play by the rules, of course. Um, always. That's a that's a shout out to all those basketball schools that just broke the rules. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, what is it? Memphis Uni- University of Memphis. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we we did not go to the Penny Hardaway School of Recruiting. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, is that a Ferrari in the parking lot? What is that for? <laughs> no, no, no. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're gonna we're gonna take that out of the podcast. Uh, no. Yes. Uh, let's go back to uh, your. Uh, recruiting rules following at the University of Delaware. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we'll we um we'll identify players. We'll reach out to coaches if we're allowed to reach out directly to the players. We'll reach out directly to the players and try to get them to if there's somebody that we're you know, really really interested in, we'll try to get them to campus immediately. Um, if there's somebody that we need to see more of, we'll just reach out and say, you know, can you get us your schedule, yeah. training schedule, things like that. We try to see every kid that we recruit at practice. That's a big thing for us. I don't just want to see them at the games. Um, I feel like that's how you know whether or not they're a gamer, right? Which yeah. is which is okay, right? If you're a good enough player and you're that kid that can just show up and you turn it on every game day, there's something to be said for that. But um, I do want to see what they're like at practice too. So we we will go out, we'll watch practices, um, you know, things like that. So yeah, that we kind of come up with the recruiting. The recruiting plan is, I would say, very. Uh, very much created for each individual player that we're recruiting. It'll look a little bit different for every kid that we recruit. That's really cool, though. But that that's a good message that just gets. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but I feel like hearing it from a from a college coach always helps when we tell players like, you never know who's watching you. Oh yeah, right. You have no idea who's watching you or yeah. who's just gonna randomly like, 
walk up to the and we've had that happen to us where like somebody walks up to and goes and goes hey who who's that here's our card you know can yeah. you can you yep. have yeah, them reach absolutely. out to like that yeah. but um but you never know who's watching and i think that's an important message to send to players and i think almost as importantly parents yeah i mean i i think it's important that the kids uh, that the kids understand that what they're doing is no. That, that habits are really important, right? Like, yeah. I, I know even with our group, like, we, we had a young group this past fall, and we really, really struggled. It's not because we weren't talented. We're super talented. Um, but it's because knowing how to work and knowing how to be consistent with your talent is a whole different ball game, right? Yeah. And it, and that that begins and ends in, in training and what you're doing when nobody's watching. So, yeah. um, you know, you kids, what I have found is that the kids that typically make the smoothest transition to college are the kids that are um that their training habits are very very good because then what they're doing in the game is it is a habit it's instinctual it's not something that they have to think about um the intensity at which they train automatically becomes the intensity at which they play and they don't have to worry about trying to turn it on on game day yeah um you know there's a young lady who we're really excited about in 2024 um and i'm not allowed to say much more than (laughs) much more than that but um i would say the biggest reason why we're so excited about her is because her training habits are phenomenal I mean, it, we can we can talk about Sarah, like mm-hmm. who is starting to coach in our in our program, which is I'm excited because she's helped, she's working with me, and it's it's been awesome to have her. But it, when I introduced her to the teams, I said, uh, "This is Sarah. She's one of the captains at UD. Um, she's a senior." When we went and watched the, the you, you, your home opener, she scored the first goal, yep. and also she might be the hardest working player I've ever seen in a practice. Yeah. Um, yep. And like that's how I introduced her. Like so, all the <clears throat> we have the we have the the, the Delaware Union guard dog. Delaware Union guard dog. Named after Carly Lloyd. Right? <laughs> so, um, but we and because that's such a that's a, such a strong part. And we've been talking about the fact that so whenever she talks about it, you know, she brings up the fact that like training habits are extremely important, right? So it's she's the perfect example of somebody that again that training yeah. environment is is huge. Sarah Sarah is. Um, one of the hardest working players I've ever coached in my career. Um, one of the most consistent players I've ever coached in my career. Um, and, and it's funny. One of the, one of the most coachable players I've ever coached in my career, right? Like she's a kid that she really does as a player. She has it all. She's got everything that you want to a player to have as a coach. Um, but she, um, she always wants to learn more. She's hungry to, to get better. So she, she welcomes the feedback. Um, but the thing that makes her special, you know, if somebody asks me, man, why is she so good? Why is she a multi-time all-conference player? Why is she a pro? I mean, she's going to go play pro soccer uh, when she leaves here at Delaware. Um, without a doubt, she's not going to have a, a shortage of suitors. Um, but why is that? Is she drastically better at the game than anybody else in our league? Um, she's better. She's definitely one of the top five players in the league, I think, right now. Yeah. Um, but she's, you know, is she drastically better? No. You know, she she's not. She she just does simple things better than everybody else. Uh, and that that's that comes down to habits. That comes down to attention to detail. And that that comes down to desire, right? Like the kids that don't mind doing the tedious, monotonous things at a really high level, they end up being the very best competitors. They're you willing to simple? do. That. Simple. simple, those simple, simple, those simple, simple things, oh, those simple things. The, ki- simple the things. kiss method. Keep it simple, uh, stupid. Uh, keep it those, simple. Those stay little things. I keep. I leave out the stupid. But. <laughs> <laughs> simple. I, I'm gonna step away for a second. Dwayne's gonna talk about the U.S. Men's National Team. Yeah, we're gonna talk U.S. Men's National Team. So the U.S. Men's qualified for the World Cup. We've got our group. Are you on? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> 
qualified for the group. What, how do you think about the group? What do you think about our group? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's an interesting group for sure. Um, you know, I I definitely believe that once you get to a World Cup, there's not there's not going to be an easy group, right? No. Um, so Everybody's there for a reason. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there's a, there's very few teams, uh, you know, from a percentage standpoint that are going to qualify for the World Cup. So um, all the teams are going to be good. It's it's a I think it's a, a media it's the media's dream. <laughs> right. I think like who doesn't love, uh, who doesn't love USA England on black Friday? Um, you know, who doesn't, who doesn't love all the narratives with between USA and, and Iran. And then I, I feel pretty strongly that if they can play the UEFA qualifiers that Ukraine could likely advance into the world cup. So, yeah, um, so the USA could That'd be, be in it for Ukraine. Too. That'd be incredible for Ukraine. Um, and, and so, so bad from a competitive standpoint for everybody who has to play against them. Yeah. So it's going to be a, um, you know, it's definitely a, the media's dream group, I think. Um, and, and you know what, listen for soccer in this country, that's going to be good. I mean, it's going to bring the whole narrative between USA and England. It's going to bring a lot of eyeballs uh, and a lot of casual viewers to, to that game. Absolutely. So I think in the long run, it's going to be, it's going to be a really good thing for, for, for us. Yeah. Gotcha. So player pool, you know, it's early, you know, we still got, you know, Weston McKinney's out with injury. It's still a possibility of players um, going out with injury. How do you think we look right now? Player pool wise, do, do you, do you think Greg Berhalter has his 23 or do you think there's some outsiders that can still make their way in? Historically, there's always, there's always been late additions on teams. Um, I mean, you could look back at probably the most notorious one is David Regie in 1998, right? So he, he takes Jeff Agee. I was only three, sorry. You were three years old. <laughs> so, so David Regie um, took Jeff Agus's place, I think, just weeks before the World Cup. Uh, he was dual national, got a citizenship, I want to say like six weeks before the World Cup and ended, and did not play in a single qualifier, but made the World Cup roster and played. He was a great player too. He was he was very good. But the way that it came about probably didn't sit well with a lot of guys on the team because that was a very set roster. Um, so there is, you know, you could look back at, what was it, 2014, Julian Green getting named to the roster, didn't play in any qualifier. So um, there's always people that come around late. Um, I would say, especially with the the situation regarding the USA's lack of ability to score goals right now and lack of a true number nine, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody just hits a hot streak at the right time and they end up making that roster. Um, so I think, you know, there is a likelihood that there's going to be some type of outside the box choice on that final 23, but I would say the majority of the 23 at this point is probably almost picking itself. Right. Um, I'm less, I, I like the player pool. Um, I think we have a lot of, I think we have enough depth to do well in the tournament. Um, I, I certainly think we have enough top end talent to do well in the tournament. Uh, and by well, I mean, you know, getting out of the group and maybe winning another game. Uh, I think the biggest question is how do we address our lack of goal scoring? Cause even through qualifying, we just didn't do a good enough job, um, creating goals and then when we weren't creating goals we didn't do a good enough job manufacturing goals Absolutely. and and i think you have to be willing to do one or the other like if if it's a situation where you just don't have the creativity to create the goals then you need to be willing to manufacture goals so a bigger question for me uh regarding greg burhalter and how he handles these next like seven months is not necessarily who's going to be in that pool, but is he going to be willing to change what they're doing to try to figure out a way to score more goals? Because you can't score the amount of goals they scored in qualifying and think that you're going to advance out of a group in the World Absolutely. Cup. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the less chances you like, you're going to get less chances in the World Cup, and you're going to have to score goals. In the, you're going to have to score goals to get mm -hmm. out of the group. Like you're going to have to get three points. 
I mean, looking at the group, you're definitely going to have to get three points, a draw, maybe get through with the loss. You maybe go 1-1-1 one, one, and, one and get out. Mm-hmm. Probably going to need two wins to, call, to be safe. But I think I agree with what you said. We're going to need a number nine, probably that comes from MLS, that's hot, hot at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. It's the end of the MLS season. So, someone that's played the whole season that's hot mm-hmm. and comes in there and fills that gap. I don't know if it's Jesus Ferreira. Brandon Vasquez is scoring goals right now. I mean, we're early in the MLS season, but he's scoring goals. I mean, somebody, I do think somebody is, is going to get hot. I mean, we saw it with, um, we saw it in 2014 also with Wondolowski, right? Like, if he wasn't scoring those goals in Major League Soccer, there's no way that dude makes that roster. So, um, so you know, you do. You need somebody to get hot. And I think the other question that that everybody's probably asking at this point is, if you're having this much trouble identifying who your number nine is going to be, do you, one, just invest in, in a single player to try to get them the reps? And you can look back at early national teams, like when Eric Winalda was with the national team. Hey. You know, he was always hey. their starter okay. as a as a forward. That doesn't mean he was always playing well. Um, and at that point, maybe it was because there wasn't the depth of talent that is currently available. Um, but do you just simply as a coach say, you know what, we're going to invest in a player because we believe that they have the highest ceiling and hopefully they can get the goals and, and get hot at the right time? Or do you, um, or do you change the way that you play, right? Like if you can't find one number nine to do everything, do you play a two-target system where you can now share that responsibility amongst two players? I, I think, I think that's something that he's that that Greg's gonna have to really look at. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think Christian Pulisic might be the answer. I think he could play as a number nine. He's got the experience playing kind of in a false nine role at Chelsea, and he's scoring goals at Chelsea. I think he could fill that role mm-hmm. for what we need because. I think we have playmakers around him. I think when Brendan Aronson's healthy, he can play around him. Gio Reyna, when he's healthy, he can play around a, play around him. Um, Tim Weah has done a great job mm-hmm. over the past couple qualifiers. When Weston McKinney gets back, he covers a lot of ground in the midfield. So I think there's talent we can put around Pulisic and make him the guy. I mean, he is the face of U.S. soccer. Why not sit him at yeah. the nine and put the pressure on him? He's He's won a Champions League final. He's been on the biggest stage. Yeah, I think for me, the players that have played there so far are are – they're they're not the answer right so i think um at at least they haven't been able to prove it you know over a period of time so i i i don't disagree with you i i wouldn't mind seeing pulisic there i really wouldn't mind seeing way there i mean i i do think he's probably the truest number nine that they have in the pool because of his ability to stretch the defense and technical enough to play his teammates into the game uh, especially with the way that Burhalter wants to play with like inverted wingers, right? So if you want Pulisic coming inside and you want Reyna being able to occupy the half spaces, then you need a target that's going to stretch the defense. And and I'm not certain that those two wingers can live on the same team in the same game as Jesus Ferreira. And now you have all three forwards coming to get the ball and nobody trying to stretch the back line. Absolutely. So I would love to see Wea play as a number nine. Um, but to be honest... I, I will die on this hill. I think the best formation for the U.S. going forward would be a three-five-two. I think you play Pulisic as one of the nines next to somebody like Wea. Um, I think you play Gio Reyna as the ten underneath them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think then McKenney and Adams can play. McKenney can be more of an eight. Adams can be your six. Um, now you move a really good Eunice Musa to the bench, which you need to have players like that coming off your bench in the World I Cup so you can players. rotate players. Exactly, right? Uh, and now you're also putting Serginho Dest in his best spot, which is as a wingback. You're putting Anthony Robinson in his best spot, which is a wingback. And then you're also adding a player in a spot where you probably have the most depth, which is center back. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I would love to see a Miles Robinson, uh, a Walker Zimmerman, uh, 
a John Brooks or you know Chris Richards or you know Aaron Long. Name your third center back. Who cares uh, at that point? And then you know your your goalkeeper. But I just think it makes the most sense. I think it plays into the U.S.'s strengths, um, and I think being able to match up with the center backs one one v one is going to be huge for this group because it's going to allow them to manufacture more than what they're manufacturing right now. So, I name your goalkeeper. Um, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get there. I feel like there's two things that have been consistent in this podcast. One, or a couple things that have been consistent. One, we've recorded every Friday, uh, or we've, we've released it every Friday for the last year and a half. Uh, two, um, since the beginning of the podcast, when we started, with me, you, and Anthony started talking about uh, the men's national team for the U.S., uh, I've been talking about Tim Way as a nine. And three, or wherever number we're at, Mike has always wanted the U.S. to play in a three-five-two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those, are, those are consistent there's things been, that, that have thing, never changed. There's a fourth thing that's consistent, too. Uh, Since we started recording the podcast, Italy's never made the World Cup. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. The Italian curse. The Sorry. Italian so, curse. So I feel, like, I feel like I've been sending this. I don't know. Somebody sent me this number that's supposed to be Greg Berhalter's number. I don't think it is. Uh, I keep texting going, like, put Timmy as a, as a nine. I don't think he gets it. So I don't think it's his number. I, I think I'm going to start. I'm going to stop. Uh, maybe, what if I tweet at him? You think if I... Maybe. If I tweet at him, hey, I think put, you have other resources to get to, to Greg Berhalter. You know do, people that know people. I do know people that know people. Well, it's at seven degrees of separation, right? Yeah. yeah and, but. And, in all seriousness, though, when you look at that, when you look at that, how else do you get your three best attacking players on the field at the same time? I mean, you if, if defender, I mean, if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play Gio Reyna as a winger, you're gonna play Pulisic as a winger. Are you real? Are you really gonna put Tim Way on the bench when he's probably been your most your most impactful yeah. player yeah. in qualifying? Well, okay, fine. He's been our most impactful. Let's throw him on the wing. Are you putting Gio Reyna on the bench? Are you putting Pulisic on the bench? So, I mean, at, at the end of the day, whatever they do, even if they want to stay in the 4-3-3, that's fine. But you got to figure out a way to get those three guys across your front line or you're moving Gio Reyna into the midfield, which I think makes... I think outside back is what you can get... Like, honestly, outside back is what you can get rid of because, like you said, the two guys, Anthony Robinson and, and um, Serginia Dest, are great wing backs, and then you can bring in... You know, if you're down one nothing, you could bring in more of an attacking wing back and yeah. you have guys to compensate for it. You do. You have you I mean, and I think the wing back ideology also plays into the hands of the of the guys that would come off the bench for the US. So if it's if it's uh DeAndre Yedlin, if it's Reggie Cannon, if it's Shaq Moore, those are all guys who, who are probably more impactful on the attacking side of the ball than they are defensively. So you're just playing into your depth a little bit more, I think. You know, like center back is deep for the U.S., so play into that depth and add a third one. Um, you know, the w- outside backs that are weaker defensively than they are offensively is is part of your part of your depth. So so create create a situation where you're you're pulling the best out of everybody. Um, I think I think that's huge. And and now listen to Jesus Ferreira, Ricardo Pepe. There's a place for these guys for sure. They're they're ultra talented, but their place should be coming off the bench until they can prove that they can consistently score goals. Well, and I think the the thing and this is so I mean if you look at the you know the World Cup, there's a couple of things that and I think Dwayne and I were talking about this. Like if you look at the average age of the World Cup teams like in history that's like 26 or 28 or something like that. Like the average age of a team and the U.S. is, in theory, young, right? Or, or in reality, We're eighteen months on average younger than every other team in the World Cup. Yeah, and that's that's gonna be that's gonna play a part of it. But the other part, I think, is gonna be where you're gonna end up with like I don't think the U.S. is going to have the the guy that's gonna compete for the Golden Boot. No, but you're gonna have to have you're gonna have to rely on four or five guys to have one or two goals each. Yeah, right. Like, for sure, you're gonna have to rely on that because that's that might be what you need. 
Yeah. Right. You're not, you know, you're not going to have, um, you know, Lewandowski or you're not going to have, uh, Ronaldo. You're not going to have Messi no, or Lautaro Martinez. Like you're not going to have the guys that are just no. going to score, you know, four or five. You're not going to have Benzema. No. No, you're not, you're not. You're not having the, the guy that just, you know, you're trying to feed the ball to. Yeah. Right? No, they don't have the one. Definitely not. You're going to have to rely on your center backs to score a couple of goals. Yep. Set pieces are going to be critical. Yeah. Set pieces are going to be critical. critical. Yeah. You're going to just have to rely on those little things like that. So what do you think of the, I don't know if you don't, you and Dwayne talked about it. What do you think about the group stage? We did talk about the, we talked about the group. I mean, I think it's a really, I was telling Dwayne, I think it's a really interesting group. It's, it's probably the media's ideal group, right? Having, having England on Black Friday, right after Thanksgiving, yeah. um, potentially, you know, if they're, if they're able to play the game, Ukraine, I think will probably advance if they're able to play. Uh, so yeah. Ukraine, Ukraine is going to be part of that group and that could potentially be the U.S.'s first game. Um, which is a nightmare matchup for them in the first game of the World Cup, and then uh, and then obviously we all know the history with Iran and and the way that they beat us in '98, and obviously the geopolitical history. Yeah, you know it's it's it. There's so many. There's going to be so many angles that media can hit this from, which ultimately I think is a great thing for soccer in the U.S. Yeah. Um, but I also think this. It was really important that we qualified for this World Cup. That was huge. Obviously, after not qualifying in 2018. Yeah. But now that you now that you qualify, it is huge for these players to advance out of this group. Yeah, I think gaining the experience as young players, especially knowing that in twenty six we're going to host the World Cup, uh, jointly host the World Cup. I, I think making sure that players like Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Tim Weah gain experience advancing out of a group stage is going to be critical to yeah. them. Maybe in their prime of their careers, making. An even more of a longer push, uh, yeah, harder push yeah. in twenty six. I mean, we want to put a good product on the field. I, I do think it's critical that we that we advance out of this group, that we find a way. And it doesn't. And I think this is where we're really going to get our medal tested because there's not going to be any style points. You know, it's yeah. it's all about just Winning. gaining. Yeah, you just got to win. And and so I think we're really this is where the U.S. is really going to test their medal because I think you know there are situations in qualifying like when you play panama yeah uh where you know you're just you're just better than them yeah. and you just need to be better than them right honduras things like that that's not happening in the world cup now yeah. you know you're there's not a single whether it's whether it's ukraine england iran uh there's not a single team that you're going to step out in the field against that you're just going to be more naturally talented than so you being willing to grind is going to be huge and having the depth to be able to do it is huge and that's why i think as much as i love the adams mckinney and musa midfield i think it's critical that one of them ends up on the bench because you got to have that player coming off the bench tyler adams not gonna be able to play 90 minutes a game uh in the first three group games it's not going to happen they need somebody that can come in and and and, and play um same thing with mckinney you're just going to play him into the ground so yeah. they're going to need rotation so i think tweaking your lineup in a way where you can get uh, Reina centrally is 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 going to be an important experiment for Burhalter over the next couple of months. Yeah, um, let's talk about because obviously there's a they have a strong tie to to Portugal, right? So a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so uh, what what do you think about Portugal? And is that one of the toughest groups in the in the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, I think Portugal is um, not as good as they could be right now. Um, but I, ironically, I, I feel like I say the same thing about them through every qualifying campaign. They <laughs> ultimately end up doing what Italy hasn't done, which is find a way to qualify. And then, um, and then they typically in tournaments, I mean, listen, they have a history in tournaments of putting together their best products in the tournaments. Mm -hmm. So they're, 
they're clearly not somebody that you can ever, that you can ever count out. Um, I think, you know, a big piece for them is going to be figuring out what does their identity look like when Cristiano Ronaldo is on the field versus when he is off the field, because, uh, over the past few years now, they've had to play in two different ways, you know, when he's been in a game versus when he's not been in a game. And you can make the argument that they've been better and more fluid when he hasn't been in the game. Uh, so what's his role going to be? Is he going to accept that role? And, um, and, you know, can, can those players step up like they've done historically when tournament play starts? I, I do think you see the best of Portugal in, in the tournaments. Um, so I, I think that group is a difficult group. I don't think that there's a true group of death though. Um, in this, in this year's world cup. I, I don't, I think it's pretty, I think the talent is, is fairly evenly spread out. Um, where I, I don't look at any one group and I'm like, man, that, that is the group of death. Um, I think there, I think, there's, I think the overall level of international soccer has risen to a point where, um, yes, you're going to have your outliers like Brazil and France. Um, but you know, everybody in this one, you can make the argument that probably in the majority of the groups, three out of the four teams can probably make it out of the group stage. Right. So you you look at the Brazil group, right? Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Can anybody tell me that, that Switzerland and Cameroon don't have justification to make it out of that group stage. Maybe Serbia might be, in theory, the weaker, the weaker one. Mm-hmm. But out of the other three, like all three of those teams, right? Or you look at the first groups, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands, and in Qatar, yeah. right? Ecuador, strong in the South American yeah. qualification. Yep. Senegal, Senegal is balling. Yes, yeah. and then in the Netherlands, right? So, like, there is no one, there is not a single group that you're like, there's not, I mean, Portugal to me, or group age, is the only is one of the few groups that does have all four that you could say any of these two could make it and yep. you're like all right like it might be the most evenly spread out group yeah. like evenly like group okay, I mean, Uruguay is not going to be an easy matchup right this no. is potentially Suarez and Cavani's last last, last go at it mm-hmm. right like and so you're going to have a ton they got a new coach um it's it's gonna be an in, it's gonna be a good a good battle for them too no in general yeah, and then Argentina is gonna have to play Mexico which uh, that scares me um, because everyone wants it, like everyone I talked to said well, our Mexico is not very good that's what scares me I wish Mexico was the best you know was yeah. playing their best their best football in in qualifying yeah. it scares me that they haven't found it. Yeah, I, I think something with the interesting thing with Mexico for me is is that they, um, you're right, they haven't hit their stride yet, and we all know that Tata Martino is a good coach. And the one thing that I do give their federation credit for right now is that they're giving him an opportunity to. It seems like they're going to give him an opportunity to see it through, which I give them a lot of credit for because he is a good coach. Yes. So um, if they sort out some stuff, they're going to be really good. What I think that they could benefit from, honestly, is doing a little bit more of what the U.S. did during qualification. You know. Tata was using a, a pretty set pool of players yeah. throughout all of qualification, and I do think there's some there's some younger players that he probably could have benefited from from bringing in and maybe trying to give them a little bit of a bigger of a bigger role. Like I was shocked that Diego Lanes did not play more for them in qualifying. Well, that's, uh, player, that's that player that was clipping this. Yeah, oh my God, he's he's uh, he is, and he's young and he's energetic, right? Which I think is something that they're missing right now. Um, but then also. I, it's no secret that there's a massive bias against Major League Soccer. And at yeah. what point when you're having trouble scoring goals, do you just, you know, swallow your pride and call in Carlos Vela or Chicharito? Yeah. I yeah. mean, right, Chicharito scoring goals for fun right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying he should be a starter in that team. But, but he might. But that's that's what scares me, <clears throat> the fact that this guy's going to come off the bench 
And like 70th minute, you got 20 yeah, minutes. To score yeah, and all of a sudden, this guy's coming off the bench hungry because he's like yeah. the thing. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like you you're locking him up and you're putting it. him on the bench for 70 minutes. He's coming out swinging. Chicharito, Chicharito and Vela coming off the bench in a World Cup. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot it's of goals firepower. and that's a lot of experience. Um, and, and pride too. Yeah, like, you know, no this doubt. Is like their last goal. Yeah, around. no Go doubt. One more time for the flag. So yeah, I would love to say that that the U.S. is the only one that is in a position right now where they have seven months to answer some questions, but they're not. Mexico is right there with them, and many of the national teams, yeah. you know, across the world are probably now looking at their rosters and looking at how they do things and and asking questions of themselves. So I, I think there's also, I mean. We also can't be naive to the fact that there are some underlying issues here that are also being sorted out, right? Like, which teams are going to be able to go go to Qatar and play friendlies prior to the World Cup in Qatar? I think that's going to be a big thing. Um, which teams are going to go to Qatar and their players are going to be okay with going to Qatar? Yeah. Because there's some humanitarian issues, right. obviously, at play, um, you know, and, and that that's going to affect people differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some underlying issues here that, that add a lot of different uh, competitive wrinkles to what the World Cup is is going to look like. Yeah, um, mid season, and some leagues are taking breaks, but I mean, some are not. Some are not. When is the break? When is your team going to? How is long is the break? Release you? Yeah. Like and it's and we're gonna, the day before. You're, like we were running into issues. Who was it? Shaq Moore. Mm-hmm. He was. He had to take a test, a COVID test. Yep. And missed the first qualifier. Reggie, so. Reggie Cannon. Reggie, Reggie, Cannon, Reggie right. Cannon tested positive. And he was, I mean, so be, listen, between the COVID stuff, between travel restrictions, um, there's going to be a lot of interesting, you know, how early are, how early are teams going to be able to get in, into Qatar to be able to do a, a lead up to the World Cup? What I'm hearing is that because it's happening during the winter, what I've heard is that it's going to be the shortest lead up that all these teams have had yeah. into a World Cup. Most of the time, you're getting a, a, month, a month camp yeah, leading up now, to now. a World Cup. You're not getting that now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. And the other part of it is this: it's a volatile climate right now geopolitically. So it, would I be shocked if September rolls around and we find out the World Cup's not happening in, in Qatar? Yeah. No, I wouldn't be shocked at all. No. It would not shock me. Um, I think anything is possible at this point, especially when there's no guarantees. And right now there are still stadiums that need to be finished in Qatar. Um, it's not a finished product. No. So I, if somebody came to me and said, oh, U.S. is hosting on short notice or England is hosting on short notice, I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. And we've yeah. seen it before. I mean, yeah. it, it's happened on the women's side with when SARS broke out and the Women's World Cup was moved to the U.S. last second. I mean, there are a few countries that could probably host it with minimal notice, and we're one of them. Um, you know, NFL but football. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, NFL football. You're going on a, on a three week break. But uh, I, I think you know it's great. it's a it, it's it is a an interesting wrinkle though, isn't it? Because um, FIFA FIFA did what they do best, and that's take somebody's money. But yeah. now they have the money. Yeah. And nobody would cry if Qatar didn't host the World Cup. No. Nope, nobody would. No, so, because no, because ultimately, again, you said they have the money. Right? So, so FIFA's already got the money, and 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 they they'd probably be cheered if they moved the World Cup out of Qatar. If we're, like being, if we're all being gets, honest, it's like when the tournament gets canceled on Friday, right? Yeah. Good luck in your refund. Yeah, <laughs> little, little mini FIFA's all over USC soccer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, all right, so before we before we wrap up, uh, let's do. Uh, we were going to talk about the Champions League, but we're not going to. Um, all we have, all we have to know is that Barcelona tied. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully, it's not the Champions League, though. It's Europa I know that's the Europa League, but I mean, it's like might as well just be the Champions League. Um, <laughs> it is the Champions League for the Europa League countries. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about uh, fair. Pl- uh, sorry, player of the match. Uh, uh, I'm going to give my player of the match to Adrian. 
because he's painting robot he's painting fields with a robot and he's figuring it all out. So my my player of the match goes out to Adrian because uh, he's picked it up really really fast uh, and he's made my life a lot easier. Um, Dwayne, my player of the match is going to go to one of my players actually, uh, Max Maloney. Got surgery a few weeks ago. Texted his mom Friday Saturday saying, "Hey, great to have him on the bench." She replies back, he just got cleared to play, comes in, scores a hat trick. No training, comes in off the bench, scores a hat trick. I mean, That's boss. Kid. Did he just like walk off the field after he scores his third one, oh just walks gosh, off I've the field? I've had to hear it all week. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the consequence of me coaching a team. I'm cocky, now the kids are cocky. And he's calling himself the GOAT now. I said, no. it was just one game. <laughs> just fucked up everything. Just my, re- you should just retire. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Then he, then he could be the goat. There you go. Um, and then just come back in a, in a year. <laughs> See if you can do it again. Uh, Mike, you got a player of the match? Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know. I, I do want to give a shout out to our to a couple of my players at Delaware who are coming back from injuries. We have we have quite a few kids who have had who have had some traumatic injuries over the past six months. Um, and and honestly, when you're in college and the environment moves so quickly, you don't always get the recognition for the work that you're putting in. But we have we have four kids that are coming back from ACLs right now who are all doing an incredible job with their rehab. Um, and I'm really, really proud of those kids. We have another kid coming back from a, a rare lower leg, uh, you know, injury it's it's super rare it's really complicated um but she she is on her on the road to recovery right now and she's a kid who had a a, an unbelievable youth career and unfortunately has not played a minute since she's been here at delaware but things are looking pretty positive that she's going to be healthy and ready to go for preseason so um it's awesome yeah so i'm just really i just i i'm obviously I, i i feel like you know we do a good job of really valuing all of our players at delaware and and with who they are as people, not just what they're doing on the field. Um, but I'm also not naive to the fact that when you're not actually involved in training every day, you're not hopping in the possession, you're not hopping in the games, um, that it's very easy to feel like you're being left behind maybe. And I, I want those players to know how special they are and how proud of, of, of them we are. Awesome. That's awesome. All right. Uh, I had I had it on this day in soccer history, but I changed it because this morning I, I went on social media and realized what today was. It's April 8th. Um, and April 8th might just be a regular day for all of us, but April 8th in the Griezmann family is not just a regular day oh, because yeah. Antoine Griezmann has three kids. Oh, wow. All three kids were born on the same day, 2016, 2019, and 2021, Jeez. All, all on the same day. So it's a party of the Griezmann family. Yeah. So, so Antoine, uh, Antoine Griezmann and, and his wife love the month of December, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> However, you say Merry Christmas, Christmas in French. Big, it's a big, um, one big birthday party, right? Yeah, one, one big, one big one, and you're done. Yeah, once uh, a year. So, so shout it's out hell, to it's a hell of a Christmas present. <laughs> yeah. So shout out, shout out to the Griezmann family, because uh, I don't know, I, he might be the only person I've ever known to be able to do that with three kids. I've seen it done with two kids. Three. Uh, but three, Hadrick. three probably takes some skill. Yeah, you, that's a hat trick right there. That's a, that is a hat trick. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, on this day in soccer history, uh, all three of Griezmann's kids were born on the same day. I thought you were going to say it was the day that he cut off his ponytail. I was going to say fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he might have had to cut off something else after that. Um, all right, fair play of the week. Uh, my fair play of the week goes out to Dwayne and all of the volunteers, uh, including uh, our new best friend Chuck and Chuck. all the all the Odessa people that have helped out to put Wreck, wreck in the – uh, at Odessa, it's been a, it's been a good start. Good start. 
Uh, people knew where they were supposed to go. Coaches had uh, teams had coaches, uh, which that's a big part of Dwayne's job. Uh, so that's my fair play of the week. A fair play of the week. It's also going to go out to that staff as well as Greg Luna and Andrew Dennis for putting on the rec- uh, the referee clinic last week. That's right. So we got um, I think twelve to fifteen new refs certified, which is helping combat the referee shortage we have in Delaware. So shout out to them and also a fair play of the week for Carly. Because she's whining over here, but we're getting ready to go to the dog park. So nice. She's, she's excited. She's That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Mike, you got a fair play? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've lived all over the country and have been really lucky to have been part of many soccer communities. Um, and what I've learned over the time that I've been here is how, although we are, you know, the first state, the smallest state, <laughs> a very small state. Well, not the smallest, right? I guess Rhode Island's the smallest. Yeah, Rhode uh, um, there you go. <laughs> um, take that, Rhode Island. Take that. <laughs> Rhode Island's our Mississippi. Um, you know, although although we are a small state, I, I feel like this is one of the most proud soccer communities that I've been fortunate to be a part of. And, and the, the relationships between my university and the youth programs, um, seeing how hard all the clubs work for their kids, it's something that I'm, I'm really appreciative of. But I want to, you know, in particular, point out what you guys are doing for the soccer community in Delaware. I think you're giving this community a voice and for a state that everybody kind of probably looks at as a drive through state, right? You hop on 95, you drive through Delaware, you blink and you're out. And free state. Right. Yeah. Everybody stops at Christiana to do their shopping. Um, but you know, there's, this is a proud soccer community and you guys are giving a voice to a really, a really proud soccer community. So I'm, I'm appreciative for that. I am. I'm appreciative of the work that you guys do because I think things like this are really, really important. It's one thing to be a fan, but it's another thing to want to grow your community and give a voice to your community. And I think that's, um, I think that's awesome. So my fair play award goes to you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> we really appreciate it, man. Every time you're on the podcast, I'm you almost, you almost make me want to cry. It's not it's not fair. <laughs> we are. We'll do we'll do the sound effect. No, that's not it. That's not it. Wait, which one is it? Nope, that's not it either. Oh my goodness. There we go. This is the clapping one. That's the clapping one. <laughs> the other one. Yeah, you can't hear it. I, I'm the only one that can hear gotta it. But to the podcast. Yeah, I got to listen to the podcast to hear to hear the sound effects that Dwayne genuinely loves. It was a great time in Kansas City with that. <laughs> yeah, you just kept pressing the buttons. Uh, well, Mike, thanks for thanks for coming out. Uh, <laughs> Mike, thanks for coming out. Uh, it was great to do it in person. I think that awesome. this is this is great. Uh, we might have to do this like not not every week. That's a lot of driving. We do it once a month. Once a month or That'd something be awesome. like that. Maybe when it gets warmer. When we'll it gets little, heck yeah. We can we do it? Can, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna pose a challenge out there. Can the next one be at UD? I'm sure we could work something out. All right. I know we, a guy. Well, you know you a guy? <laughs> you know Chuck? Yeah, you don't know Chuck. You got to know you Chuck. Do it. I got a nice patio, too. We should do it in my backyard. We could do that, too. Let's yeah, man. I, I say we do it. Can we do it? In. Can we do it at midfield? Can we do it at midfield in the stadium? In why, the, why not? Let's do it. That would be really cool. There yeah, are people just walk by like, wait, what are these guys doing? Why is there a table in the middle of the field? <laughs> my, our next guest is going to be Alex. So I'm going to do it right at Chester Park, or Subaru Park in Chester. Yeah, you can do it in the middle of Subaru Park. Yeah, see if you can hook me up. I mean, you got you got primo parking. We kind of skipped that part because yeah. Dwayne's got a Subaru, so he so gets excited. Adrian. Huh? So does Adrian. Oh, there you go. You guys can go. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, he gets excited because he gets to park for free if he's one of the first seventy cars. You know wow. what number he was? Seventy six. He was six. 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 He super got there three fan. three hours early to super, the game. Super fan. Three hours early. <laughs> Look, I just wanted to get the free. I don't think the players were there yet. <laughs> 
That's they were. They, I saw the buses coming <laughs> yeah. in. Off, I, saw the, I saw the Charlotte buses coming in off the uh, bridge. Charlotte was still in Charlotte when you got to the studio. Uh, three uh, hours. He was there three days early. There you go. Uh, the field. I'm here for the free parking. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, the game doesn't start till tomorrow. I just want to get there early. Get uh, all right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.